We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Joel Penfield. Joining me tonight with my fellow co-hosts uh, over at Royals Farm Report, Alex Duvall. How's it going, man? Joel, I am fantastic. We have had um, some of the best weather in recent Kansas City history recently, right? I mean, it has been awful. It has been horrendous. It's cold. It's rainy. It's hot. It's supposed to be 91 degrees on Monday. I have no idea what's going on ever. It's like we've got the most ridiculous weather patterns ever. Um, but I will say that we were able to sneak some baseball in this week um, at the high school level. we got a big rivalry game coming up tomorrow. And then districts, uh, district tournament starts in a week and a half or so. So life is moving quickly. The school year is almost done, which means I am almost, I'm inching closer to my two months of uh, summer vacation. So I am, I'm fired up. It's the one thing I will always regret. And like I didn't, I took the summer vacation for granted all through elementary school, middle school, high school, college, got into the real world. And I was like, Oh crap, this is, this is awful. Now my wife is a teacher, so she gets that, that time off. And I'm like, man, I got that, that six alarm, the 6am alarm going off, going to corporate America. I'm like, well, uh, I, this is the life I chose. That is, that's, that's what I think to myself every time the paycheck hits is like, well, this is the life I chose. So it's got its it's got its trade-offs <laughs> well, and trade-offs. A well, little give and take, that's for sure. Well, like I said, we got we got a lot to talk about over the last couple of games that we've seen uh this weekend and this week. Before we do that, show is always brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Let's hear a quick word from them. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room thank you as always to kcsc for sponsoring the show be sure to check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train 
All right, Alex, let's let's get into this here. Big news for our side on the Royals Farm uh, podcast and uh, RoyalsFarmReport.com with MJ Melendez making his big league debut on Tuesday night against the St. Louis Cardinals. DH, and he got his first big league hit. So a lot, a lot of good stuff there on the kind of letting the kids play and getting them in uh, to the lineup. We'll talk a little more about that here in a little bit. But was it really cool? It was really cool to see MJ make his big league debut. I mean, if you followed what happened in 2019 for Royals fans and maybe don't didn't follow Royals Farm before we joined KCSN, he really struggled. Hit like a buck sixty. Power was gone. Striking out almost forty percent of the time. Completely revitalized his career last year. Led the minor leagues in home runs with 41. Cut the strikeout rate almost in half. Started walking more. Always played elite defense, and it it you know ultimately leads to him making his big league debut here in 2022. So really exciting stuff. Uh, and hopefully he's part of that next wave position players coming up here soon to KC. I'm going to get sentimental on you for a minute, but when Patrick Brennan and I, um, Patrick just told me he was starting Royals Farm Report, and I, from day one I was like, dude, I'm in. Let me know what you need. The I don't know. He wrote the first article at Royals Farm Report was about Chris DeVito. And then I think the next day was the MLB draft, if I remember that right. And I remember I was at a um, Legion ball field in Warrensburg when the Royals drafted Nick Prado and MJ Melendez. And I remember thinking at the time, okay, because I, w- I was new at this, right? And so I remember thinking, okay, Nick Prado one of the best prep hitters in this draft class, left-handed first baseman, reminds me a little bit of Eric Hosmer. I'm in. Okay, cool. And then they drafted Melendez, and it took me a minute to, you know, just get a little research in on Melendez. Hadn't done a whole lot of uh, work on him pre-draft because he was committed to play for his dad at FIU. And you start digging on this kid, and I'm like, okay, this kid's going to hit for a ton of power. And I think a lot of the pre-draft stuff on Melendez was, you know, good average hitter, great defender, may not hit for a lot of power. And all the data that came out was he had the best um, swing, the the best bat speed in the draft class for prep hitters. And I'm watching him swing like this guy's going to hit for power. And it's it's so cool because he was that a part of that first draft class that we watched when we started Royals Farm Report, go from – rookie ball to low A to high A to double A to triple A and now in the major leagues. It was a culmination for all of us that do work for Royals Farm Report. You, me, Drew, Drake, Patrick, um, Josh, J- uh, Josh Payton. I mean, there's 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 been so many people that have come through Royals Farm Report, so many friendships that we've made and so many, you know, just connections we've made through the website and, and the podcasting. And now MJ Melendez, who was part of the original farm report, has made his big league debut. Like when he made his debut, I have I have not had that much fun watching a Royals game since 2020. And before that, long before 2020, right? I was just I was watching him play, was that Wednesday night, just sitting there, Tuesday night maybe, and sitting there going, Man, like this is this is what we've been working for for five years. And now here he is. It was just it was one of the coolest moments of my brief semi-professional life here yeah it was really cool i ended up going to the game with my dad on tuesday night and it was really cool you know you come to the game and i was super excited like oh mj's making his debut he's in the lineup let's go happened to work out that i was going to the game uh when i saw the lineup card and i go out and you know walk around stadium a little bit my dad and i got there early we saw a bit of bp walk into the hall of fame work our way around we sit down with our beers and 
you see Bobby Wood Jr. and MJ Melendez are both warming up together or like near each other, running their sprints and stuff. And it's like, that's the future right there. And what struck me, and maybe this is just like the kind of the stuff you can't quantify about baseball that I like, the intangible stuff. He looked like a pro. Like you could just see the way the uniform fit on him. He had his gold chain rocking and he's doing it and just looked like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like he just had this air about it that you could feel that this was, it was time. And he stepped into the box and you could tell he was locked in, put together the best at bats that anybody had that night. The Royals still scored seven runs. It was one of the best offensive outputs, seven runs. Woo-hoo. But all four at bats that he put together were great. Uh, ran up, hit a ball hard, rolled over, but hit it hard to the first baseman, then almost went yard to left field in his second at bat, worked it back, uh, and then he stalled the ground ball for his first big league hit. And then work to walk after being down 0-2, I believe, work it back and works the walk in his fourth at bat. It was remarkable. And that is kind of becoming a thing with some of these young hitters that we're seeing in the Royal system. The tutelage of guys like Drew Saylor and Mike Tozar, Alex Zumwalt are paying dividends now at the big league level. Uh, when you see a guy like that come in and look completely unfazed in his first big league game. He definitely looked like the most professional hitter in the lineup, which is not good for a lineup that's very veteran. Yes. But I was thinking about this the other day too. That 0-2 count that he worked into a walk in his big leg de- debut. None. There's not another hitter in the Royals lineup outside of maybe Carlos Santana who turns that into a walk. Right on Wednesday against Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright was up on him. Or I'm sorry, down 1-0-2-0 in the count. It's a 1-0-2-0 pitch through like a. I don't know if Wayno mixes his slider and throws like a cutter, but it was like a little baby slider slash cutter that he threw on the inside of the plate that ran off the plate inside and MJ never appeared ready to swing at it. Like he had a plan like two Oh, this pitch isn't what I'm looking for. I'm not swinging. And I'm thinking, I was sitting there thinking to myself, it was a two Oh pitch. Cause the one Oh pitch was a fastball that ran off the plate outside. And I'm sitting there watching this at bat thinking to myself, there's not another hitter in this lineup outside of maybe Carlos Santana who takes both of those pitches and works to it 3-0. Yep. There's not he his at bats are so planned out and mapped out. He knows exactly what he wants to do with what pitch he wants to do it with before he gets to the on deck circle. And it's like how many of these Royals hitters do we watch just go flailing at pitches? Now, for Salvi sometimes it works. He leads the league at home runs. Andrew Benintendi's sitting about 400 right now. Sometimes it works. But none of them have a plan quite like MJ Melendez. And I tweeted it out on the Royals Farm Report Twitter account, but I was like, I don't know how if you're dating more JJ Piccolo, you can watch MJ Melendez's first two games and not just call up the rest of them right now. Like Prado, Pasquantino, come on, let's go right now. You're coming. Let's go right now in the big league lineup. We will figure it out later. Ryan O'Hearn, see ya. Carlos Santana, see ya. Hunter Dozier to the bench. But I don't I don't know how you can watch those at bats from Melendez and not be ready to promote all of the future right now and just see what happens. Yeah. The fact that he, he didn't look overwhelmed at all in his first two games, which is pretty remarkable for any, I think any guy that makes his big league debut when they don't, when you could tell they're just calm, cool, collected, and they know how good they are right away. Even Bobby Wood Jr. in his first game had some ugly swings. Now he was able to make adjustments, got his first big league knock, but ended up winning the game on opening day. 
So he made the adjustments quickly, but those first couple at bats, he was, he was not ready for that 0-1 slider. He was not ready for that heater up. MJ was just ready for anything and had his plan and executed it and got his first big league hit, which ended up in an RBI too. So that makes it even makes it that much better. Now, speaking of Bobby Wood Jr. in that game too, finally got off the schneid, first big league homer, uh, took a, basically hit a seven iron stinger on a changeup at his shins and hit it 417 feet to, to left center. And I said it when I talked to Jordan Foote last week that he was going to hit his home run soon. Like it was going to come. The bats were getting better. He was hitting the ball harder. He was hitting the ball yeah, like in the air more often now during that hitting streak. And now he finally gets it. And I think he's about to start getting rolling too. He's, the strikeout rate is continuing to go down. I'd like to see the walk rate come up, but he's not striking out like he was early on. I think it was north of 34% there in that first couple of weeks. It's now down to about 23%. Perfectly manageable. It's about what he was last year between double A AA and triple A. And he's still so impressive defensively. Uh, but it was really cool that I got to see his first big league hit and his first big league homer in the two Royals games that have gone to this year. So uh, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, the only Royals game that I've been to this year, he got his only day off. So that's, <laughs> there you that's, go. That's, Perfect that's timing there. So far this this season. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, you mentioned the changeup he hit. I'm, I'm, I might have to go back and like start piecing together some of his home runs he hit in the minors. Because if you miss down and in, with something off speed to Bobby Witt Jr., he will park it. That is like his juice zone. And if you look at the big league in his big league time, the pitch heat map that he has, pitchers aren't throwing him down and in. No. They know that's the danger zone. It it's very it, this is not comparing the two players, but it's very trout-esque. Yes. And that no, if you is. miss down, you are screwed. Yes. And and you don't have to compare the players. To, and, and Royals June. June um, does the gifts of Trout yes. and Bobby Wood Jr. swing. You don't have to compare the players to identify they have a similar swing pattern with the a similar ability to drive the low pitch. If you miss down and in to Bobby Wood Jr., he's going to park it. And if you look at where the pitchers are pitching him, they're not going there. Dakota Hudson misses with a changeup, and he parked it, right? I mean, it's, it is special to have a type of hitter who has a nitro zone where they don't miss because even most of the best hitters on earth, you can get them in certain places at certain times, no matter what you throw. Like it's Yasmero Pettit, right? That that has Trout's number for yeah. whatever reason, his fastball up in the zone, Trout just can't get to it, but you start throwing the off-speed stuff down and Trout will go get it. No matter who's pitching, no matter what kind of off-speed pitch you throw him, you throw it down, he will hit it. And Bobby Witt Jr. Has, has proven he can do that. And that's the disadvantage rookies have today versus like 1999. The scouting reports are so advanced that when Bobby Witt Jr. gets to the big leagues, they already know they can't go there with that stuff, right? So yep. it's cool to see him commanding that respect so early in his young career. Yeah, and I think he's only going to get better. I, I, I need, I'd need to talk to a professional hitter, but I'd have to imagine that first one has got to be the toughest one to hit. And now he's got that one. And we even saw last year, he got that first home run in double A and he went nuclear. I think that's coming very soon. I think like rookie of the year, best player in Kansas city, Bobby Wood Jr. is coming here very soon. Yeah, that dude, he, and by the way, they were, we were talking in the Twitter group chat today. Like, I think it was, well, I won't, we gotta be careful here, but it was a, a buddy of ours who said, he's like, I knew Bobby Wood Jr. was fast. I did not know he was fastest player in Major League Baseball fast. 
Yeah, he, he has the fastest to... sprint speed in Major League Baseball, according to Baseball Savant. Like yes. faster than Trey Turner, faster than Byron Buxton, faster than Miles Straw, faster than Jose Siri, fastest player in baseball. And he's, by the way, he's grading like one of the best defenders at third base in all yep. of baseball. Like we tried to tell people that his tools are somehow being underrated. Like there were there were reports, I think it was Baseball America, maybe even Fangraphs, were like, oh, he's he's a below average defender at shortstop, but he could hold his own at third base. No, 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 no. This kid is special, like gold glove type special. He can fly out of the box. I, I saw people all the time. You know, he's really fast, but he's not like elite speed fast. BS. And and I feel like somebody's gonna call straw man argument. I will go find them. I will go look for them. I will find them. But there was a ground ball specifically that he hit in Omaha. It was a routine ground ball. I'm not talking like a high chopper, like, like a, a two hopper to the shortstop. I know he exactly what you're routine talking about. ground ball. And it wasn't close. The shortstop picked it up. And by the time the ball was out of his hand, Bobby Wood Jr. was safe. It's like, how did he get there? It's like less than four seconds. He made it to first base. I mean, he is absolutely one of the most electric and in terms of like tools, one of the most electric players in major league baseball from day one. And it's so cool to have that kind of thing here in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, just coming coming into today, the stats are still not super sexy, but considering where he started early on in the year, slashing 229, 264, 349, 613 OPS, which he's brought up almost 100 points in the last week. So that if that tells you anything, he's getting hot really fast. Now let's shift the conversation back a little bit. You mentioned it a little bit. This is kind of the crux of at least the first part of our conversation uh, when it comes to let the kids play. I would just like to say... <laughs> It's as simple as this. At first base, Vinny Pasquantino in AAA right now, this was coming into tonight, he was slashing 284, 406, 556 with a 154 weighted runs created plus. He has five home runs on the year, three of which have come in the last 10 days, I believe. And he's walking more than he's striking out by a pretty good margin. What are we doing here, guys? Carl Santana has a 75 weighted runs created plus. Ryan Hearn has a 17. Hunter Dozier has a 109, but that's also come down from about 130 in about a week. So it's trending downwards. Why the Royals aren't going to bring, like, I understand he's not on the 40. Make a move. I know Nick Prado just went on the seven-day IL, but at this point, I I just want to see him and see what the Royals have in him. Uh, If that means you're sticking him in right field every couple of days and he's not getting everyday run, okay, that's fine. I'd rather see him in the lineup than a lot of other guys right now. At a certain point, you have the 30th ranked offense in baseball. You are the worst off run producing team in all of major league baseball, worse than the three and 22 Cincinnati reds. At what point do you just say, screw it and go full on like Billy bean and Moneyball and just throw the desk and start over and try something new. You might as well at this point there, there you, what it's at a certain point we're getting into lost season territory if things don't turn around by the end of May, at what point, like, what do you have to lose? I have defended Dayton more, more than anybody that I've seen on Twitter, especially in terms of like people who have dedicated their social media to baseball and the Royals, right? Nobody's defended Dayton more, more than I have. The one fatal flaw that he will have, and at some point it may get him, is loyalty to a fault. And mm-hmm. it is. 100%. It is it is noble to be loyal. I you know, I I it is and it's weird to sit here and say that somebody can be too loyal in a business where 
production is paramount. Loyalty also comes in being loyal to the players who are producing by putting the best players on the field for them. Being loyal to Ryan O'Hearn is being unloyal to Salvador Perez and Whit Merrifield and Andrew Benintendi and Brad Keller and Zach Granke because you're not giving those guys the best chance to win. I wrote an article over at Royals Farm Report the other day. Show me. Show me that you're serious about winning. Having Ryan O'Hearn on the roster is not being serious about winning. It's being serious about five other things maybe, but not winning. Not at the big league level, not right now. And anybody listening to this, you cannot sell me. You cannot sell me that the Royals want to win more than anything else. I'm not saying they don't want to win. Of course they want to. But they have not shown us their willingness to pull out all the stops and do everything in their power to win because of who they are rostering. That is a fact. If they were that serious about winning at the big league level right now, Ryan O'Hearn wouldn't be on the team and Vinny Pasquantino would be. That is a fact. That is not being arbitrary. That is not a hot take. It is not me being radically opinionated. I don't understand all the time why they don't want to win right now. I get it. There's development that has to go on. I get it. You're being loyal to your players to a fault. Be loyal to the players who are producing. Be loyal to the guys who have stuck it out in the clubhouse, who have been here, who are leading your team. Be loyal to them. Give them every opportunity to win because Whit Merrifield wasn't on these teams when they were competing in the playoffs. He's never been on a winning Royals team. Never been on one. Be loyal to him. Give him every opportunity. And right now they're not because their best first baseman in the organization, both of them are playing in Omaha. And I, I know Prados went on the IL, but you cannot tell me you're serious about winning and have some of your best players at the AAA level. You just, you can't convince me of it. Like, I love the game of baseball. I want to root for interesting. I, I love the Royals. But if we continue on the trend we're on, I'm probably going to continue to defer to watching other baseball games because they're interesting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just want the Royals to be interesting at, at this point. That's all we can hope for because I don't think they're they're going to magically rip off a 10 or 12 game win streak. I, I just don't think that's in the cards. But if they're middling, 
But and I, and we've I've rehashed this take over and over again. But I'm going to keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. I would much rather watch a lineup with MJ and Vinny and Bobby and Kyle Isbell and Nick Prado in a lineup, and the Royals lose because at least we know what we're going to get in the future. Most of this roster is not going to be on the next good Royals team. So you might as well start getting the guys in the lineup that are and see what you have in them and then make moves accordingly. But at a certain, like I said, at a certain point, what do you have to lose? I would much rather root for interesting than loyal, maybe in their minds, rational takes and rational moves that ultimately continue to lose you more games. If you, if they bottom out this year, and be worse than last year, it might be 2025 until that window opens. And we were told 2021, and then it shifted back to 23. We're just going to continue moving back like we saw in the mid-2000s. Like it's, it's a similar trend if, if they don't turn it around soon and don't start making moves toward the future soon. Yeah, and, and I like a lot of what they've done. Like, And that's the thing. I know I sound like I'm complaining and, oh, it's it's terrible – I love so much of what the Royals have done, yes. which is why it's frustrating that they just keep doing a few. And, and, and it's not like it's not like they're messing up the big stuff. I really don't believe right. they are. I think the big picture, the Royals do things so well. They are so well run that it's hard for it's It's, it's hard for me to be mad at them when they are clearly screwing up. Like it's kind of like when you have a, a child, like a, as a teacher and a coach, you have a kid who does all the right things and they royally screw something up. And you're like, Johnny, I love you. You are awesome. You do everything we ask you to do, but you really messed up this time. And we're going to have to punish you for it because you absolutely cannot do that. It's hard. It is the worst part about being a parent, a teacher, a coach, a GM. We love you. You're awesome. You have done everything we've asked you to do. It's not good enough. The Royals for a long time, have not been willing to go there soon enough. They wait until it's too long. They wait until it's too late to make that move. It is possible that they do all these good things, sign Taylor Clark, develop Scott Barlow, go get Brad Keller in the in the, in the the Rule 5 draft, go find a Dylan Coleman in a trade, go get Edward Olivares, Gabe Spire, like, signs that Granky and free agency. They've done so many good things. I don't want it to sound like I'm just beating a dead horse. I hate the Royals. They're so poorly run, blah, blah, blah. It's just you have a very obvious flaw right now, and it is being too loyal to a player who's not good. He's not a good Major League Baseball player. Go get one who might be and start the process of replacing guys that we've seen too much of. That's my only complaint right now, but it is such like a, a gaping flaw such a massive issue that it's like it's hard to ignore no matter if the rest of what's going on is like hey i kind of like what you're doing over here I, I think some of this too is because you and i were around the same age and we you know when we were in high school and college was when the royals started to get good so we have a little bit of recency bias in here of we know what winning baseball in kansas city looks like which is not something a lot of other small market teams can talk about so we know, we, like, there's a banner at Coffin Stadium within the last decade. The Yankees don't have one of those, right? So we know that this team can win and this organization can succeed. If we did a podcast sometime between 20, 1985 and 2015, we'd be singing a tune like, oh, it's the same old Royals. Like, this is just what happens. It's the way it is. 
but we know what winning baseball looks like. And that's what we want. We're not saying this because we want to be angry. We want to be frustrated. We're frustrated because we have seen what the good can be and that we know it should come around again soon. Should this core turn into what we think it can be? I just, it, so it is frustrating when they get the small things wrong because those small things are moving the window back. And that's the last thing that you want because you're heading toward mid 2000s apathy real fast. Like people were willing to give a little bit of, you know, grace and just, all right, this is the way it goes when you have a couple really rough seasons after the core leaves. But at a certain point, people, people, I mean, the attendance is already really rough. Losing, losing the games you have, getting blown out the way you have early. It's not trending in the direction that you need if you really are serious about competing soon. And the and the thing that that gets me is the the most frustrating thing I think is not everybody is going to hit <clears throat> right away. Not everybody's going to hit ever. Like Jackson Kowar, you, you, he's great in AAA. Okay, he's a sure thing, right? <laughs> no. If you call up Vinny too late, just for example, you call up Vinny, you wait, you wait, you wait, you call him up, you think, oh, he's a sure thing, we got him, he'll be fine. Maybe you call him up and. He just doesn't, he never makes the final adjustment. And now you're a year too late from signing X first baseman in free agency who's going to help you long term because you thought you had Vinny. Yep. Or maybe he's Mike Mostakis and it's going to take a few years to really get going to make that final adjustment. And you're going to need him to have made that adjustment already when it's time to compete. It's just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to beat a dead horse. We can, we can talk about something else. I just, I'm trying to justify the negativity. I think people are probably on our side. I probably don't need to justify it as much, but I just, there's a, there's a reason for the specific like point of emphasis and the specific frustrations. It's like, you are so close. Mm -hmm. Don't overthink this one. Put the best players on the field. Let them make their struggles, make their adjustments. And it will be better for it long-term. Absolutely. I was about to get to that. So I don't need to, I don't need to reiterate, but you mentioned, a couple of the guys um, of the good thing, the good moves that Dayton Moore and Jacob Cole have made over the last couple of years. Gabe Spire and Taylor Clark have been awesome out of the bullpen. Future Taylor big leaguer Gabe Spire. Big, future big leaguer Gabe Spire. If you're an OG Royals Farm Report follower, you know. Um, Taylor Clark, he gave the grand slam in that one of those first games against Cleveland. After that, he's got a sub one ERA, struck out 10 and in 10 innings, hasn't walked anybody. What a pickup in free agency there by by the Royals. Uh, he's really solidified a nice role in the bullpen. And the Gabe Spire, this is the best I've seen him over the last couple of years. He has not looked – he's been fine in a pinch uh, in a few big league innings uh, over the last couple of years, but really solidified himself as that second lefty right now with Amir Garrett with Jake Brents on the injured list. Now pitching in some decent roles now. Like he closed out the game on uh, on Tuesday night against the Cardinals. I can see him getting some high leverage spots here soon with the way he's been pitching. I tweeted this out the other day, 95 mile an hour sinkers at the bottom of the zone. Don't go out of style. No, like it doesn't matter what the advanced analytics. And by the way, I'm an advanced analytic nerd. I'm not, I'm not talking smack on them. Yes. Same. No matter what the advanced analytics want, no matter what they prefer, no matter what is in style, 95 mile an hour turbo sinkers at the bottom of the zone will never go out of style. That is impossible to hit what he's doing right now is impossible to hit and i'm not saying he can continue that but the way he's pitching he is going to be unhittable until something changes it's like one of what which law is newton's an unstop um 
an, ob an object in motion will remain in motion until stopped by an outside force. Yeah, like, like equal that. opposite force, something like that. I'm too far out of school He's, to know. He is going to continue down this path until something stops him, whether it's himself or a major adjustment from big league hitters. But Gabe Spire sinker slider combination right now from that arm slot is going to play no matter the era, no matter the ball, no matter the hitters, no matter the steroids, that will always play. And it's been really cool to see because when the Royals got him, he did not throw like this. And that's that was the joke about future big leaguer Gabe Spire is, you know, there's a big leaguer in there somewhere. Like, not like this. Double A Gabe Spire is not going to work. But there's a big leaguer in there. Like, an adjustment or two away, he'll be fine. And then he made that adjustment, starts throwing the sinker, starts throwing a little bit harder. It's like, ah, there's the big leaguer. So that was the joke, by the way, for anybody who's not been following for very long, is he's just kind of been tootling away in minor leagues, working on some adjustments. He got the sinker, and now he's a big leaguer, and, and a very, very good one at that. Yeah, I, I when I'd seen him a couple times, I was like, okay, probably just like, like a quad A, you know, kind of the the meme of the future big league. You're like, oh, he can, he can bounce back forth, be good. And then he was in spring training throwing 96, 97. And I went, whoa, when did Gabe Spire start throwing upper 90s? Especially with the sink he was able to get. And I saw him on uh, Tuesday when I was at the game. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that'll work. That, that'll work out just fine. And the Royals bullpen continues to be pretty good. Had some blowups here and there, but I think some of that is already due to some wear and tear from some very poor pitching performances from the starters, which now we get into that. I'm getting better at transitions here, folks. Um, Chris Bubich had another blow-up, second outing in five this year that he didn't get out of the first inning. I'd imagine he's probably on a trip up I-29 here pretty soon to Omaha, maybe to work on some stuff. That hasn't been announced yet, but I don't think his start comes around again until middle of next week. So we may not hear anything until after the Baltimore series, but it is confounding. I know the command has never been his calling card, but I mean, 2019, he was minor league, minor league pitcher of the year in all of minor league baseball, not just, not just in the Royals organization. He was up there with McKenzie Gore. I think he um, led minor league baseball in strikeouts that he year. He did. He had 185 strikeouts or something stupid like that between a ball last uh, in 2019. And I've always liked the stuff and I've always liked the pitchability. It is just baffling. This maybe leads us into a, a bigger conversation about pitching development at the big league level that we are not seeing. It is just, it's baffling that in five starts, he's gotten blown up four times. And even in that one start where he didn't against the Yankees, still gave up three runs in five innings. So it's not like he's been spectacular at all at any point this year. He already is still over 13. What? I don't know what to make of it, frankly. Like, this is not the same pitcher at all. My biggest knock against Cal Eldred is we see a lot of these Royals pitchers who are struggling make the same mistakes over and over and over. Yes. If Carlos Hernandez, who is not an example of what I'm talking about, by the way, Carlos Hernandez has made some adjustments, thrown some different pitches, improved his command, and I just don't think his fastball is very good. I know he throws it hard, but there's no deception to his delivery. Guys pick it up. It, there's no spin to it. Like, I just don't think Carlos Hernandez is as good as you would maybe expect, and that's why he's getting hit. I don't necessarily blame Eldred or Hernandez for his struggles. With Bubich, with Singer, with Coar, with Keller at the beginning of last year, it's the same crap over and over and over and over and over. 
it is, I mean, the definition of insanity, but it is like either you are part of the solution or you are the problem. And I'm not, I'm not even suggesting that Cal Eldred is the problem, but he is clearly not offering up some kind of solution that has been super beneficial to Chris Bubich. Chris Bubich's issues are the exact same issues we've been seeing him have since he made his big league debut. He misses arm side high because, and granted, his his delivery is what gives him the deception that makes his stuff go, but his arm gets late, he misses up and out, or he's rushing, and so he pulls it down, and it's it is like the same the same issue. There hasn't been any fix to try to make his arm slot work. And we hear all offseason about how Chris Bubich is adding a slider. Joel, do you know how many sliders he's thrown this year? Zero. Not Zero. a single slider. And he even talked about that in spring training, about that being an emphasis. Not a single one. Try something. I tell kids, now granted, I'm I'm not talking, I, I shouldn't even, but tell I tell kids all the time. I don't care if you have to drop kick the baseball over home plate. Get it over the plate. Do something different than what you're doing. Right. And it's it's a metaphor. It is a cue. It's not, it's not real. It's just for it's just being funny, right? Being a little bit facetious. But like Chris Bubich, do something. Throw a throw a knuckleball. I don't care what you have to do. Do something different. But it's the same crap over and over. And I wrote about it in the morning roll call the other day. I'm tired of watching him struggle with his command so mightily. It is infuriating to watch a big league pitcher who's been in the big leagues now for parts of three seasons yeah, not be able to find the strike zone throwing 90 miles an hour. And again, I'm not like suggesting – I've never thrown a pitch 90 miles an hour in my life. I'm not like sitting here – I don't want to be the guy critiquing you know, Chris Bubich. Oh, he sucks. I'm not saying that. No. At some point in time, it is a coach's job to make an, an adjustment for the pitcher or the pitcher's job to make the adjustment himself. If Chris Bubich was really trying, like, like with Carlos Hernandez, I don't blame him for his struggles. He's trying a lot of different things. And I, th- I think I could, if we broke down the film, we could, we could talk about him, point him out. He threw a curveball, he threw a slider. He's gone up, he's gone down. Here's all the different things Carlos Hernandez has tried. Maybe he's just not that good. With Chris Bubich, it's the same crap over and over, and that's what's frustrating is when you have two guys like that, right? Guy number one whose stuff just isn't that great and tries and tries and tries and does all these different things. It's like, darn it, just not having success. And then you have a guy whose stuff will play at the big league level. We've seen Bubich's stuff play really well yes. when he commands it, and nothing changes. It doesn't appear to, to have the work like coming out on the mound for us. And so that's the frustrating thing is like, at what point do we do something different? Try something, kick it. Like, I don't care what you do, do something because what you're doing is not working. Yeah. And I I say this understanding that busts happen. Like you, it, it happens. Not everybody that makes the big leagues is going to, that is going to have a successful big league career. Totally understand. And that's why the Royals, threw a bunch at the dartboard to get a bunch of college pitchers to at least, you know, hope that half stick or a third stick. I, I totally get it. But I've seen Chris Bubich be good at the big league level. I've seen, ja- you know, I, we've seen Jackson Coar dominate everywhere up until, with the super happy fun ball in AAA, Jackson Coar was shoving. Brady Singer has made it work at every level. 
and even to a degree in the in the majors, not to the same level, but he's been good and solid. Daniel Lynch has seemed to feel like he's figured out things, even the way he dominated up to double A. So there are good pitchers in here, and I know that they can be good with all with stuff that all plays at the big league level. So at a certain point, like, and I think you and I have talked about this uh, like via text or something like that around the similar conversation, that more often than not, talent's going to get you to the big leagues. If you're just flat better than everybody, like Bobby Wood Jr., you're going to make it to the big leagues. And then the then the development needs to happen. The adjustments need to come because it's the hardest level of baseball. And the, you have co- a coaching staff in there to help you make those adjustments. And I don't know if that's there because we have multiple years of data now of those adjustments not happening, of those adjustments not coming at all for anybody. It took Brad Keller a full see almost a, a full season lost season in 2021 to really get it figured out again. And that can't happen. If you're really trying to win, you can't take that long to figure things out. And it doesn't just sit on Cal Eldred. It doesn't. Do I think he's the problem? I don't know. Do I think he's part of the solution though? Probably not. So again, it, it kind of goes back to the let the kids play conversation we had earlier of do something different, try something different. And if that means making wholesale coaching changes at the end of 2022 in hopes that you get somebody in that can help these guys along making adjustments at the big league level, then that's what you need to do. The Royals have put a ton of stock in the, the pitchers that they drafted in 2018 being part of the reason why they're competitive here in 2023. And Dayton Moore talks about all the time. Of pit, he said it a couple of years ago. Pitching is the currency of baseball. We got a lot of counterfeit bills right now, if that's how you're looking at it. So, again, like if you if you really think the Royals are going to compete in 2023, then you need to make adjustments to make these dudes work. And if they don't or you just decide not to, then we'll see in 2025 and hope that maybe that's the year that we get it going. And that's too long, and fans won't stay interested in that. I don't disagree. I don't. <clears throat> I, I just... The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. I think it's, it's, it's interesting to me how successful they were in 2020 at developing the hitters, fixing the hitters during the COVID season. Yep. And apparently thought Chris Bubich was good enough to go from high A to the big leagues with no experience at double A AA or triple A. 
and we haven't seen the same type of development for the pitchers. So as an organization, it's not like they aren't with it when it comes to wholesale change. We right. watched them do it. Drew Saylor, and, and I reference Drew Saylor all the time, and it probably sounds like I'm blowing smoke up his ass because we've had him on the show. And Drew Saylor comes in, and they made wholesale changes, not just Drew Saylor, but Alex Zumwalt recognized we need to do something different. They promote Zumwalt. He goes and gets um, Drew Saylor. They make wholesale changes, and the, look what happened. It paid off. I don't understand the hesitation to do that to the pitching side. Now, I think they've done small pieces of it at the minor league level, and we're seeing it right now with Mazzucato, Panzini, and uh, Kuderna having not pitched. I think that's a sign of clear wholesale philosophical differences of the past where we're going to hold these guys out and develop them and polish them. And then when we think they're a beyond ready, we'll send them out in a year where it doesn't matter how many innings they throw. It doesn't matter how good they are. They're not going to get out of high a at, at best, right? They're probably not going to get out of low a. So just hold them back, let them develop, let them lift and get stronger. And then we'll send them out. I think we're seeing evidence of it at the lower levels. I don't understand the hesitancy of making those types of changes at the big league level, like you like you started this off with. So if they're holding on to Eldred because of Brad Keller, it's it's kind of hard to argue with because Keller's been really good. But where where is the results for all of the other pitchers that they've brought up? Because Daniel Lynch we know is it's not a secret gets a lot of help in the private sector. He goes and trains, he goes and learns develops in the private sector in the off season. None of the pitchers were able to work with the big league coaching staff last off season. So who knows what to attribute with Keller. We also know that pitchers have been working on different pitches and the org's like, nah, like we have evidence of that with Chris Bubich. We have evidence of that in another situation where a pitcher goes, develops what what the what they're calling a sweeper, right? The sliders that kind of sweep more horizontally than vertically. And the org's like, nah, don't throw it. It's like, lean into it a little bit. Lean into the revolution. Lean into the analytics. Lean into a different style because, I don't know, it's not, I don't, I don't think the pitching staff is as far behind as maybe some pushing the panic button. But at the same time, it's like we talked about with Bubich and with with Singer not throwing a changeup. It's like, please do something different. Just try, try to do something that is not what you're doing at present. Because what you're not, what you're doing at present, just not working. Adapt or die. That is like my favorite line in that movie. Go back to Moneyball. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. And when you're kind of analytics nerds like you and I are, it kind of fits the bill. And when you look at the teams that are awesome at pitching development, it's almost like there's a correlation with success. The Giants, the Rays, the Dodgers, you know, they're, they're, these are organizations that heavily develop pitchers at the big league level. I mean, the, the Giants took a rotation with Kevin Gossman, Anthony Desclafani, and Alex Wood, who were fine big league pitchers, nothing spectacular, and won 108 games. The Roy or the, the Rays pick dudes out of the scrap heap that you've never heard of and turn them into ridiculous pitchers. Now the Dodgers are the Dodgers because they spend the most money. 
So maybe not. Maybe, maybe the Dodgers are not the best example, but the Rays are a good example because they're a small market team. I don't know. Maybe go pick their brains, see what they're doing, and see if you can make it work. Because what you're doing right now ain't it. We've knocked the pitching staff. Let's talk about really quick, though, and, and sing some praises of what the hitting development has done at the big league. Oh, level. yeah, absolutely. I'm not trying to and spend too much no, time no, no. Well, here, but let's 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 focus on some of those hitters really quick because the maybe we attribute some to the scouting department because some of it is just identifying players who have the ability, need a tweak or two, we'll bring them in, put them in our system, and they'll go play. And part of it is definitely coaching them, coaching them up. Andrew Benintendi's hitting 400. Great move. Khalil Lee is addicted to striking out. Nobody else from that trade has made major waves. Andrew Benintendi has been clearly the best player of that trade. Great move by the scouting department. Great move by the hitting coaches getting him going. Michael A. Taylor has lowered his strikeout rate, raised his walk rate. And again, I still don't think he's in any way going to be a part of the future, and I still don't love that he's playing every day. However, if you were competing this year, the ability to scout that he is the value, the value that he brings and coach him up has been oh, brilliant. Yeah. Michael A. Taylor's been brilliant. Got up to a double and he's at a 98 WRC plus now. So yeah, just he's walking slightly below league average. And the fact that he plays elite defense along with that, if he stays between 85 and 90 all year, cool. Like that's fine. Because he's walking, he's yes. taking some pitches. What a concept. What yeah. a concept. Hunter Dozier, I mean, kind of middling right now hitting for a ton of power, not walking at all, but hitting for power. We can live with that. I mean, in some capacity, um, Nicky Lopez last year worth six wins. Like, I don't know if I buy that, but he was an above average hitter of an elite defender. Bobby Witt jr. Is obviously doing what he does Whit Merrifield could use some help. Maybe a day off. I don't know. Carlos Santana's just old Salvi last year leads the league in home runs. Like they've started for all the issues they have scoring runs. If Salvi picks it up, they get one of those first basemen out. They bring up a first baseman and put them in. Like they've actually like I'm willing to give the hitting uh, side of things a little bit of credit or the scouting department. I don't I don't always know like who to attribute that to because these a lot of these hitters didn't come from the minor leagues, right? They Salvi's been here. He made an adjustment at the big league level. Dozier's been here, made an adjustment at the big league level. Benintendi's been in the big leagues. Michael A. Taylor's been in the big leagues. Nicky Lopez did his thing through the minors and then made another adjustment at the big league level. Like So some of it is scouting for sure, but some of it is is coaching up the hitters. And there are certainly some black holes in the lineup, but for all of the adjustments the pitching staff isn't making, in the rotation anyway, the bullpen has been elite. The offense has some bright spots, and that's circling back to where we started. It's not all doom and gloom, but they're doing it's it's just like the the banging your head into the wall frustration of you're doing so many good things. Just keep doing more of those instead of running Ryan O'Hearn out in the cleanup spot. Like if you really want to play Ryan O'Hearn, if that's your angle, bat him eighth. Like that's that's where I know that I'm justified in feeling this way is when they run him out there in the cleanup spot. Yep. Like now. I was at the game on Tuesday. Kind of hurt a little bit. I won't lie. Uh, but I'll do, I want to shout out Edward Olivares too. 169 Witter and Scratty Plus. He was nice. In, and I would have much rather seen in high, like before the game when I saw he was in the lineup, I was like, man, I'd rather see Isbell in there against the righty. And he goes out there, goes four for five with two RBIs. Like, hey, he, he proved me wrong. 
He's hitting the ball hard, and he's not striking out a ton, 11%. He's a, that's a great fourth outfielder to have. And I'm glad that he's put that together and they're not shipping him up and down I-29. Like he's actually proving to ha- be great in that role. And he wasn't bad in the leadoff spot either. So maybe there's something there. But, hey, I, I do want to shout him out because he he deserves it a little bit. He's been awesome. And he's a guy, when we talked about Olivares and Isbell, I, I kind of kept coming back to, I'm okay with whatever they do with Olivares. I don't think he's an everyday starter. I think Isbell could be an everyday starter. Yep. So he needs to play, whether it's in big leagues or Omaha, Isbell needs to play. Olivares needs to be on the big league team in some capacity. Like, I didn't really care. I'm starting to think I may have had that backwards where Isbell might be the fourth outfielder and Olivares is the bigger side of the platoon. Maybe, maybe you just platoon him outright, but Olivares has been incredible. And, and you mentioned him hitting the ball hard. That is the biggest turning point for me is last year, even those home runs he were hitting, they were like 94, 95 miles an hour. It's like, is this power legit? Like, is it going to play all the time? And then yesterday or Tuesday, he hits three balls over 100 miles an hour. It's like, okay, that's going to be the difference between an everyday player and a bench bat. That and his defense is still kind of iffy. But hitting the ball as hard as he was hitting it on Tuesday was outstanding to see. It's still really early. Um. Edward Olivares is your second most valuable player in F4 on the team. Now, it's in 36 plate appearances. That obviously can change, but that's also says a lot about the rest of the team. Yeah. And we, t- we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Brad Keller has been great this year. Uh, a sub two ERA now. Now, the FIP is up around three four. So I don't know how long it'll last. He, the kind of pitch to contact thing um, isn't always sustainable, but he makes it work when we have it. And I don't. I don't blame it. I look at, you know, it's obviously it's easy to look at strikeout numbers, right? And when you're striking out, you know, an in a guy in inning or more, you know, the guy has the kind of stuff Keller has great stuff and he's throwing more four seamers and less sinkers. And I'm big thumbs up on that. And it's, and it's obviously working. So there's a huge adjustment there that he has made. But when you have the elite defense that the Royals have behind those guys, I don't care because those guys more often than not are going to make the play unless you get horribly Babbitt to death then you're going to probably have a pretty good outing going like Brad Keller did six and a third with two strikeouts and you give up, you scatter four or five hits. It works. He's awesome. I, the, my favorite thing that Brad Keller has done is, is bring us more research on seam shifted wake. Yes. Um, I fascinates me. Absolutely fascinates me what he's able to do to the baseball. And you mentioned him throwing more four seams in, I still don't ever know if he cuts the ball on purpose or not, but he needs to he needs to lean into the cutter and yep. go Corbin Burns light. Yes. I, yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. I'm lean into it. Throw them on purpose. Find a grip that works and throw more cutters on purpose. I am I would be a huge fan of that. Just try to be Aldi brand Corbin Burns because we've seen research suggests that ball moving into left-handed hitters away from righties will be more effective than the other way around. Cutters are better than two seams for you. Tell me why I just, the research suggests it. So lean into it, throw cutters on purpose instead of just, Oh, Hey, that one cut. That was cool. Find a way to do that on purpose. I think that that would be my cue, but his stuff is nasty. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get out of here, I'm, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm rocking the, 
City Connect KC hat I, I had to get it when I went to the game on Tuesday. What are your thoughts on the uniforms? I love them. I think they did a great job encapsulating Kansas City with the Art Deco and the fountains and everything. Um, I think they left a little bit of meat on the bone, but I'm not going to complain because they did a really good job like kind of simplifying everything. What are your thoughts? I would have found a way to incorporate the Monarchs in some capacity. Oh, yeah. I would have. Okay, so case in point. Okay, so it, it's not on your hat. Does your hat have the crown in between the C? No, it does. Let me look. Okay. No, it does not. Okay, so the crown on the jerseys, there's a crown in, in between the gap in the C. I would have made that like instead of just a, a regular crown, made it like a Monarchs themed crown. That would have been cool. Or, incorporate like a little bit of a red outline or hell. I like the way that the Astros did the Navy blue pants and done some Navy blue, Navy blue pants. Like I love the way you put it. They left a little bit of meat on the bone, but they're simple. And I love that. They didn't try to overdo it. They're beautiful. I love them. I bought a Bobby Witt jr. One when I was at the game on Sunday, um, uh, uh, the, the Jersey. That might, be, that might be my next purchase. That might need to be my next purchase. But so I will say- I think, I, and I love the, the city, the concept of the City Connect jersey. I think it's really cool. The Miami ones are easily the best. It's not close. What was Miami's? Uh, I haven't seen there. They have the oh the Miami. It's the Cuban Sugar Kings. I'll I'll send you a picture. They're dope. I'm gonna Google um, it right now. Yeah, they they are the best ones by far. And then I think the Serpientes Arizona ones are second, and I think the Royals are third. They there. I like. Have you, did you see the Nationals with the cherry oh, those, that, Okay. Okay, so the Royals might be fourth because the cherry blossom one is really cool. But the Royal, it's easily in the upper part of the of my like a power ranking of the City Connect jerseys. Mm-hmm. I'd like that they didn't go monochromatic with the pants and the the jersey. I think that's kind of a weird look, especially like the Space City Astros ones. The Dodgers did it, and I was like, eh. I think the Giants ones are ugly, and awful. Um, but I think I they like did the a really Red good Sox job ones either. For what they mean and what they the meaning and some you know the symbology behind it, um, that's I cool. I think it I think it's cool. I'd have that's it cool. I had it though somewhere in the middle. I have high expectations for the Padres ones that are coming out later this year. I think there's I can't remember which other team is coming out with them soon, but I think it's a cool concept and I think the Royal they did oh, yeah. justice to the Royals one for sure. I'm like this is gonna be like the bane of Royals fans, but I'm excited to see if they ever do a Cardinals one. Because the ability to incorporate the arch into those jerseys that could be, cool. be so cool. Yeah, like there's there's a lot you could do with that. I mean, I can a pretty good baseball jersey. Like, I, I don't care what the alternate. Like, I want like a Juan Soto City Connect. Oh my gosh, that is that is the most beautiful sports uniform I've ever seen. That cherry blossom jersey. It is really Nationals cool. War. Oh my, it's it is so cool. Like, yeah, and just the simplicity of it. It's just the WSH with the cherry blossom. It's gray and pink. I'm like standing ovation when I saw that. It was the most. You either go perfect. like you either go like super kind of simplistic and cool like that, or you go minor league weird. And I don't think there's any yeah. in between, right? Um, yeah, uh, that's all I got for this one. Alex, have any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, not today. I just hope. I hope Vinny's up soon. Um, yep. Suli Matias, actually. By the way, I'm gonna go minor league final thoughts on you. Sorry. Uh, listeners, I know this is the big league podcast, but Sully Matias today at one point in time was three for three with a home run and a walk, no strikeouts in his last seven games. He has 
was it four extra base hits, seven walks, and nine strikeouts? Yeah, he ended three for three. With That'll walk. work for him. Like, dude, it it's minor adjustments. It's a slow process. He should be in double A all year, I think. But the progress he's making is real. And by the way, he's finally healthy. So that's a big piece of it. But and cross your fingers, he stays healthy. And dude, if he keeps doing this, he's gonna force the Royals to consider putting him on the 40 this offseason. Yeah. That'll be that'll be a really interesting storyline coming up here. We said we're, we got a little bit of runway on that, but that is an interesting storyline to follow. Uh, follow uh, Royals Farm Report. So we'll be on that. Uh, we'll be back with that podcast on uh, be on Tuesday. We're taking we're, we normally record on Sundays, but uh, with Mother's Day, we're gonna we're gonna knock it up a day and and go. Uh, that'll be out on Tuesday. Thank you all for listening to this. Subscribe to KCSN uh, here on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you don't miss any Chiefs, K State, KU, Mizzou. Royals and some more fun stuff to come as well there. Subscribe to KCSN Kansas City Royals on Spotify or iTunes um, to help grow the channel. Uh, You'll see this show and Royals Farm Report there every Tuesday and Friday, Monday or Tuesday and then Friday. Uh, And then if you are going out to a Royals game here, I know they got a nine-game road, either going Baltimore to Texas to Colorado, which is stupid. Uh, But when they're back in Kansas City, be sure you get your tickets and tickets for less. It's a local company. Give you some of the best deals on Royals tickets. Head out to Coffin Stadium. Trust me, there's going to be plenty of seats. So go and find a ticket. Go out, bring the family, enjoy a game, and we'll talk to you all next week.